Listen up, this is Daniel Mayfield, Expedition Superintendent for the River Crawler Caravan. If you're hearing this, welcome. We've got some important business here in 82. Now, you may have heard of my folks at the Blue Ridge, or collectives up in the Commonwealth and Capitol, or even down in the Crimson Caravan. I want to dispel some rumors. Uh, we are looking to trade across coasts, and we've collectively partnered up to make lasting settlements that connect the dots of travel. Make it easy for everybody. Everybody's still doing their own business, but if you're hearing this, you're now a contractor for the River Crawler Caravan. Here's Skinny. You're part of our Louisiana division. Now, Old Orleans is a big area out there, and we sent a scout party down before to get y'all in the steel roll. They've given us some clearance and resources to set up a settlement. It's about a day's travel outside the city. Now, it's on you all to set up the settlement. Now, the RCC expects a few things out of this area. It's got to be safe place to sleep. There's got to be digestible food and clean water. You all got to set up some trade routes with big areas down there. Like Old Island, Baton Rouge, you know. Management's going to go hands-off on this process, so get it done however you want. We'll be coming around in a few months to get the progress update, and if all goes well, pay you in the amount of 10,000 caps or equivalent value. Sent the location that's encoded on this tape. Alright? Got it? That's about it. Let's get this knocked out. War. War never changes. When atomic fire consumed the earth, those who survived did so in great, underground vaults. When they opened, their inhabitants set out across ruins of the old world to build new societies, establish new villages, and form communities. Now, over a hundred years after the bombs have fallen, humanity has redefined itself. In the southern Louisiana-Mississippi Delta, survivors cling to the empathy of past generations while dealing with the strife of the post-nuclear world. The wasteland of the Big Easy is a harsh place filled with dangerous mutated creatures and inhospitable deadly land. Its frontier has brought about new settlements that struggle to cope with the reality of the New World Order. New Orleans was once a great gem of Southern culture, but the Great Flood turned the streets of music and dance into a radioactive nightmare. Pre- and post-war citizens have banded together to recede the waters and bring back the spirit of the Old World, deeming the city Old Nolens. All are welcome in this great city of the South, but new tensions are rising. Meanwhile, across the continent, trader caravans have brokered a deal to connect the East and West coasts. They agreed on a neutral caravan that would establish trade routes that followed the resilient rivers of America and connected the great settlements and nations of the post-war world. The newly founded River Crawler Caravan now sets its sights on Old Nolens, which could be the centerpiece of their great mission. Through the tangled mess of trees, you hear a light purr of an electrical generator. Beyond the exposed root systems and Spanish moss of the old forest, there's a clearing. You spot a rather large firefly land on the reeds of the slightly damp forest floor. In the center, you spy a metal building from the old war with a huge iron radio tower that's being supported by sturdy vines 
and makeshift scrap. This clearing seems like a natural fort. The nature is protected and allowed growth from within. The smell of damp puddles and dead leaves permeates this air, bringing with it a sense of wild and peace. You spy a door sealed tightly with an intercom directly beside it. The first one to arrive to this area is Jared. Jared, why don't you introduce your character to the group? Sure. So I will be playing uh, Lonnie Haybear, who is a new recruit with the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh, Lonnie is a native to Olnalans and began their journey with the Brotherhood of Steel as sort of a volunteer slash Corps of Engineers type partnership. So that's Lonnie, at least at a high level right now. I'm sure we'll learn more about him as we progress. What does Lonnie kind of look like? Lonnie is... I didn't mean for this to rhyme, but Lonnie is scrawny. Um, Lonnie is sort of a, a... maybe an average height for a post-nuclear war male. I imagine that's probably similar to a non-post-nuclear war, war male, so maybe five six five seven. Uh, on the low side, as far as um, his frame goes, uh, certainly looks like he's missed quite a few meals, uh, almost uh, malnourished in a way. Um, he looks a bit younger. Like, if he's got any beard or mustache, it's just like this scraggle that he probably uh, likes to try to keep shaved just so he doesn't embarrass himself because he probably can't grow facial hair that great at all. Um, but he's definitely lived a hard, you know, 20 or so years. So you approach uh, this door, this this building out in the out in this clearing. Um, you see the little intercom beside it. Um, so what does your character do? Probably Lonnie is going to recall what type of orders maybe that the Brotherhood of Steel gave him that would prompt him to go to this location because it, it, it would be unusual for him to be out of the city because the, the city is sort of safe for him and that's sort of where his home has been. So I'm imagining that Brotherhood of Steel had him up to something. So I'm probably going to try to recall my orders and right. figure out what it is I'm supposed to be doing here. So the, uh, the the paladin of the Brotherhood of Steel for New Orleans has sent Lonnie to um, kind of almost uh, be a liaison and work for the River Crawler Caravan, which is a kind of a new age caravan movement that is, that is happening throughout the United States. Um, the Brotherhood is kind of looking for more of a foot in the door. Um, recent relations with the city have kind of been soured. Um, so Lonnie is is kind of going outside of the Brotherhood and acting as somebody that's, that's out and about and is trying to set up uh, kind of a collaborative effort um, of building a settlement in a, a little area for the river crawler caravan, but also kind of being the, the man on the inside for the Brotherhood of Seal. I see. So is this um, communications relay, is it a place that was known by the Brotherhood of Steel and we were told this is where we need to meet or is this sort of a serendipitous discovery? This is a place that you were told to meet. Everyone was told to meet at this location. Okay. 
Uh, probably I'm just going to try to peek in through windows and see if there's anyone there, make myself noticeable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially so I'm I don't want any surprises yeah so. I understand I understand do a uh, difficulty zero uh perception plus uh sneak uh my perception is a six my sneak is a zero so I'm just gonna roll a uh, straight perception it sounds like most uh, of your stuff is gonna be difficulty zero like to yeah, just like so. generate you need to generate some, everybody needs to generate some AP we're going to get right. some AP up in here. Um, I did not generate any AP. I, I, no successes. No successes. So no success. you go um, <laughs> so you go to uh, Lonnie is 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 arrived is kind of trying to um, walk around and uh, the, the land is a little bit unstable and you actually get some water in your left boot um, and that's pretty uncomfortable. And you're you're like trying to look in the window, but there's like a puddle right there, and you're just not having it. You, you can't really see anything, unfortunately. Um, as you're as you're kind of peeking in the window, um, Michael, uh, why don't you introduce your character to the group? Okay, so Pep Hackett, uh, he's a young early twenties. Uh, he's from a settlement built around the old Indianapolis 500 racetrack up in, in Indiana. Uh, so he comes from a settlement culture that is all based around racing um, and uh, and cars, uh, which in the in this uh, Fallout tabletop version there are working vehicles. So that is a major part of his sort of background. Um, visually, he's a uh, like I said, he's like early twenties. He's a very muscular guy, very broad shouldered, um, uh, very sort of rockabilly look. To him, he's got the uh, the Fallout Pompadour, also sweet mutton chops. Um, looks maybe first appearance, maybe looks a little bit like a hayseed. Looks maybe like a naive kind of young guy, um, but he's he looks like also he's an ox. Um, and so he is from his settlement. They have a part of their culture is called a road trip, where uh, young people are sent out into the world on a road trip to learn new skills and bring them back to the settlement. And Pep is on his, his, his road trip. Very nice. So you run up on the same scene of this, this kind of communications tower out there, but you, you see this kind of like scrawny guy. It looks a little bit like he's stuck, um, but you're, you're not quite sure from the distance. Uh, so, so you roll up on this group. What do you do? Um, I'm going to holler out uh, to this poor skinny fellow. Um, and ask him if he uh, if he needs some help because he he looks like he's in uh, some sort of dire strait. Uh, no, I'm fine. It's just I found water a little too early. Is all that's all. Yeah, so there's a there's a lot of water around here. Kind of easy to find, but uh, good for you. Good for you. Thanks. So uh, you live around here? You just hanging out? Oh yeah, I'm um, from Old Islands. Born and raised, well, pres- raised, maybe born. Man of mystery you are. I like it. <laughs> well, I maybe one day I'll solve it too. Uh, the break in the conversation happens as um, Cody, uh, your character, why don't you introduce your character? Uh, my character's name's Clark. Uh, Clark has had uh, such a great life. Um, his family was killed pretty early on traded on to slavers and there ended up working for a mercenary company for some time 
um, decided that um, get out of that job um, at a time when most of the company that he was working for, uh, his fellow mercenaries, had been murdered off and decided he wanted to live for a little while longer. So he started guarding caravans because killing people was about the only thing that he knew how to do really well. He traveled with caravans for some time before he got wind of this new caravan company that was heading to um, down to Mississippi, joined up with them and um, decided that maybe for a break of break of pace, he would stick around and see um, what his employees were trying to set up here in terms of a new settlement. In terms of looks, um, he's about uh, young 30s or um, uh, uh, um, early 30s, and he is a little bit on the taller side. Um, he is obviously fit, but not excessively built by any means. Um, if anything, maybe a little bit on the slender side. Um, his clothes are tattered from having so much time on the trail with the caravans. Um, but there are a few things about him that are meticulously kept. He keeps his he keeps a sword on his on his waist that is kept very clean. Um, on the other side of his waist, he has a revolver which is upkept similarly, and he has uh, long dark hair that's drawn back that has obviously been well cared for and um, is, if anything, a little bit in stark contrast to rest of his more ratty attire that he's been wearing while out on the uh, out on the road. So uh, Clark walks up on the scene um, and kind of kind of sees this this you know, this strong guy, kind of rockabilly type, and this kind of like scrawny little engineer guy sitting out there um, in, in this in this radio transmission tower uh, with the building attached to it. Uh, what does what does Clark do? Uh, Clark looks back and forth from the two of them sitting there, uh, walks right past, says, excuse me, and taps the intercom. Says, hello, is anybody there? Hello. What can do for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, okay, can you uh, open the door for me, please? Are you people? I need people. A, we are people, Yes. Uh, I am a person, at least. I'm, I think these two are people. I think I qualify. I'm looking crawlers. I'm looking crawlers. Crawlers. Love crawlers. How do I know if crawler? Any of y'all know what he's talking about? Uh, is there any colloquial term for crawlers that I might know about? So you, everyone knows that they are from the river crawler caravan. Um, everyone collectively knows that, that they are, that is the only crawler that you know about. Um, but, uh, uh, kind of a, there's a break, um, in this in confusion over this voice over the intercom. Um, so May, why don't you introduce your character to the group? Uh, my character's name is Hazel, uh, Greenglass. She's actually a human in her early twenties who had a fairly unusual upbringing, considering it's post-apocalyptic out there. Uh, she grew up in the New California Republic as part of a Chautauqua traveling group 
which is uh, essentially like growing up as a permanent grad student mixed with a carny, essentially. Um, so it's uh, something that actually was, it was called the most American of American pastimes by, uh, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt. Um, so at the turn of the century, these were a big thing. And this group has attempted to bring it back and they were traveling the fairly tamed west um, where the new California Republic um, had brought a little bit of stability and they'd go around, they'd do shows, they would teach people like uh, they, they'd have lessons in schooling and talk about pre-war America and do, you know, even like fortune telling and knife juggling acts. And uh, she grew up in, in this setting uh, and when she was old enough, she decided that um, she really wanted to uh, go east and find something else to learn to do something else with her uh, skill set. She has, in some ways, she's very educated, and in other ways, she has no what she's in for. And um, she signed up with the river crawlers uh, basically because she was just desperate to see New Orleans that she'd always read about and heard about. And uh, what does she look like? Uh, she, uh, she's in her early 20s. She's actually fairly uh, well proportioned um, for a, uh, um, a survivor, mostly because half the time... Um, the Chautauquas were actually paid in food instead of in caps. Um, she has uh, light blonde hair um, and a fairly broad build for a, for a, a woman. So uh, let's see. Hazel walks up to to this scene of, of these, you know, three guys standing near the comm tower, um, the building attached. What does she do? Uh, she lends over. She leans over and says, Hi, I believe we're the crawlers you're waiting for. So you hear kind of kind of this like crumbling sound. You hear this hear this voice that says, Hmm. Signal? Not believe. This is crawlers. How would I know? For a fact, if crawler. Does the voice sound human or robotic or super mutiny? Um, it sounds like exact. It, I am going to be doing the voices the best that I can. It sounds like an obnoxious radio announcer voice in a broken tone. Uh, what proof do you require? Could everyone tell me what part of the country from? Old Orleans. From the track. Capital Wasteland. From the New California Republic. Excellent. And then as soon as the voice uh, kind of clicks off the intercom, uh, you hear a buzzer uh, kind of go off. And the door, the mechanical uh, uh, cylinders of the door turn and uh, the door falls down in, in the classic Old War way that a lot of, uh, a lot of bunkers are in. Everybody. This is Dave. I'm the DM, GM, whatever you want to call me. It doesn't really matter. 
of the show, Rad Rolls. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time and listening to our first episode. Um, this is something I've never done before. Uh, I've done a few podcasts. You may have heard me from Vault Boys or Fallout Hub, but I mean, this is a, a brand new project, and I'm really excited that, that you're listening and hopefully enjoying. Um, I want to do a few announcements and shout out a few things that we're doing. Um, first thing I want to do is thank our cast. Uh, Cody, Jared, May, and Mike have all been super accepting over the project and really involved in building their characters and um, making the world a, a collaborative process that we're building together. Um, their availability and time mean the world to me, and I wouldn't be able to do any of this without them. Hey, now you're listening to Day from the Future. Two and a half years in the future, actually. Uh, we've recorded over 100 episodes of this show by now, um, and the the group has become some of my best friends. Uh, we love playing this game. We continue to play this game. We're actually in campaign two right now. Um, I just wanted to interject here and let you know that some of the information from the announcements may be outdated in terms of what we did with Extra Life, in terms of Oh, what some of the different like social media things we had had changed. Everything is on kind of an evolving scale. Um, But you can always join our newsletter. Our newsletter is the newest thing that's out there. Uh, You can join that sign up sheets on our link tree. You can click the link down below. It'll take you right there. Sign up for our newsletter. It's great. If you like the show, be sure to give us a rate or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you want to go the extra step, go ahead and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Our YouTube channel, you get the full video version of the podcast. Um, The New Orleans-based stuff doesn't really start going full video till episode 40. Um, then we start doing the full video thing and you get to see our faces and then you get to see our dice rolls later on. It's an evolving process, kind of what I talked about. Um, so keep on enjoying the episode and I hope you stick around. So the door opens and it's a dilapidated office space inside. Uh, there's a main desk that's still intact. Uh, there's kind of various makeshift projects. Um, maybe weapons, you're not quite sure, uh, but it's adorning like every inch of this main desk area. Um, beside the desk, you see this like giant makeshift, uh, super sledge, uh, that has a bunch of blood on it. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then there's bunk beds that are pushed up against the windowed, uh, area. You can tell that there's like a divider almost through the middle of the, of the comm station, that there's a whole other side to it, but there's bunk beds pushed up against it and you can't see through uh, that di- that divider. Um, towards the back of the room, you see this uh, kind of closed fridge. Uh, there's a giant pile of rancid meat beside it. Um, oh, it's lovely. It's very rustic. I'm going to push on the divider to see how solid it is. Okay, uh, can you roll me a... Uh, I'm going to do difficulty one, strength and athletics. Strength of seven, athletics two. The success, so you pass. Kind of like, like you're pushing on a piece, a piece of it kind of like breaks off. There's a, a big microphone that's sitting on one side of the room. Um, you you can't see anything else into the other side of the room. Uh, but but about the about the time that you do that, uh, a bunk bed slides across the floor, and this bunk bed is being pushed by a super mutant emerging from the next room. The super mutant is wearing a makeshift metal armor across his body with a scarf that's been fashioned into a traditional necktie. The super mutant says, hmm, signal like everyone here. 
We like signal. Signal seems very nice. Do you know radio? I'm aware of it? Yes. I don't believe we've been introduced. Oh, you haven't been with Signal? Signal loves people. Signal loves you. Signal want River Crawler to be big success. Big success, River Crawler. Big success, Super Mutant. Big success, all Nolans. Sounds wonderful. Sounds big. Sounds big. That, that all tracks. Clark is uh, from a region where super mutants aren't exactly friendly. So as soon as he saw the super mutant, he's very uh, slyly has placed his hand on the hilt of his pistol, just in case. Is that tension something that Lonnie might notice? Uh, you could try. Just roll a perception. Uh, do perception speech, actually. Because you're not trying to conceal that, uh, Clark. I do get a success. Okay, yeah, it was a difficulty zero. Um, I forgot to say that. I'll get I'll get better at saying things when I mean them. That's um, fine. Yeah. So uh, you uh, you notice that uh, Clark is kind of like uh, because, and you kind of know from Brotherhood reports that out east, um, super mutants are not very friendly. That there are very few reports of friendly super mutants out east. Um, so you notice that Clark kind of like tenses up a little bit in his body seeing this strange talking super mutant emerge and uh, pushing bunk beds with just one arm yeah uh as long as pep and uh hazel are speaking with uh, signal i'm gonna lean in close to um clark um and and just kind of whisper to him now is not the time to draw iron we'll talk later but it's we're good here i'll say back to him you know, I've heard about so-called friendly mutants before, but I've never it, really believed it. I think I'll uh, just keep my wits about me from now. That, that's fine, but ju- just so you know, this might not be the place. Um, so, uh, so Signal uh, goes over to the end of the room, kind of grabs his hammer and is, and is kind of twirling it between his fingers. So imagine a super mutant twirling a super sledge between their fingers. Like it's very clear. (laughs) It's very clear that, that signal is not just a super mutant, but pretty, pretty strong for a super mutant. If if he's able to do that, um, signal looks at the group and says, um, settlement here, settlement here is good. Um, who is mayor? Any volunteers? Anyone? Anyone? At this point, Clark is his hair trigger. He's a little little concerned about what he's watching. So he's stiff as a board and just watching intently at every move this super mutant is making. So Hazel is fascinated. Hazel's never actually seen a super mutant before. But she's heard about them. She's heard about the different types of super mutants. And she's just sort of soaking it all in. But she does sort of say, well, well, Signal, aren't aren't you? Why aren't you the mayor? You were you were here first. Pep gives Hazel a look at that. <laughs> a little cringe, a little cringe at Hazel. <laughs> she didn't notice it. Yeah. I think I think Clark 
broke his gaze for a hot sec to take a, a double take when when Hazel said that. So um, Signal, while he's while he's twirling his um, his super his, uh, his super sledge, he presses a button on it, and the the, the there's like a, a a pressurized hammer at the top that's kind of like beating back and forth. Um, that's kind of like almost in like a chugging motion, and you realize that there's like some like pretty advanced weaponry. Um, that that he is just kind of like messing around with for fun. Uh, he's in seems like in a jovial mood to uh, he's, he's doing his little super mutant smile, uh, doing his situation, um, and signal signal looks at um, looks at Hazel and says, "Signal, stay here. Signal, no decision, no decision. Signal, do station. Signal, talk to everyone. Signal, can't mayor." No mayor, no signal. Signal name, not mayor. If signal name mayor, he may. Again, tracks. Can't argue with that logic. Can't argue with that. Sounds about right. I think Lonnie's wheels are turning here. Um, so I, I will pause you all and tell you uh, that, that you all have been sent a, a letter from the Rivercrawler Caravan. You're tasked with creating a settlement to generate trade. And if you do that, you're going to get paid. Um, so that's that's kind of like your prior knowledge of this situation. Um, Signal, it seems like, is asking a lot of you all in this moment. I would say um, it sounds like we need to find a mayor. Uh, Signal takes his, uh, his super sledge and yanks it out and directs it at everyone in the room and says, one mayor or all mayor. Quick question for for Signal before we continue here. Um, We did note that when we entered, the Super Sledge did have blood on it, correct? Um, I would like to ask uh, Signal, whose blood is on that Super Sledge? Um, Signal uh, takes uh, the Super Sledge and kind of licks it and says, Krabby Crab. Okay, well, who, any, any one of us want to be mayor, or do we all want to be mayor? The wheels are turning in Lonnie's head right now. Because if Lonnie was sent here to be a liaison on behest of the Brotherhood of Steel, how nice it would be to be able to report back to the Brotherhood of Steel <laughs> that they have someone in a leadership role at this location. Right, and Lonnie is the local... So he'd probably be the best choice. Mm-hmm. But but Lonnie, on the other hand, is thinking like, do I really want this amount of responsibility on my shoulders? And Lonnie is wearing a field scribe uniform, correct? Yeah the um, yeah. the the field scribe uniform comes on when he needs to, but there's something about just the clean white t shirt and just okay. like the clean fatigue pants that. Lonnie likes mainly because he's very rarely, if ever, had clean clothes in his life. So, like the color white, Lonnie loves because it's just sort of like this proof that what I'm wearing right now is clean. <laughs> so yeah, probably probably since we're on official business, he's probably got the the scribe robes on. That's hmm. it. Pep would uh, defer to Lonnie as a man in uniform. Like Pep would know it enough. To be like, like you're clearly in some sort of organization, uh, so probably, probably you'd be the best. Oh, 
Um, okay. Uh, I mean, or this could be a, a, a joint effort. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, you you barely know you you saw me dump my foot in a puddle. That was your first impression. I mean, like I don't. Yeah, and you're about to make me mayor of this thing, okay? Well, to be fair, you'd be mayor of a of a, of a radio station run by a super moon. I, I think I think you could probably handle that pressure at this point. Yeah. Uh, he seems pretty autonomous. So, well, when when we used to back in California, when we used to travel in Chicago, uh, whoever knew the area the best was usually the person who'd be leading during any time we were traveling around. So, you know, I'll, I'll defer to you, absolutely, since you seem to be a little bit more familiar with the terrain and the surroundings. And then, you know, maybe Lonnie's getting a little nervous and he looks at Clark and like, and where are you from again? Now, look, don't be looking at me. I am here as a hired gun. I am not about to run any type of situation <laughs> or I got to be listening to this guy. And he points to the super Um At this point, Signal, uh, Signal kind of breaks the com- conversation and goes, ah, communism. And then grabs um, some like uh, what looks like paper, maybe used to be paper, and um, throws a few sheets on, on the desk and then reaches, uh, walks over to the fridge. And uh, there's a, that rancid meat pile beside it. And he reaches in there and he pulls out a Mirelurk claw and throws it down on the desk with a sheet of paper and says, vote, put name in fridge. If name, then mayor. Oh, so we're, but we're, but this is a mm, democracy. Okay. All right. all right. So it's direct democracy. Well, all right. Signal, do you get a vote? Signal doesn't vote. Signal is here for different thing. He loves radio excuse me signal loves radio signal do radio good signal not mayor signal can't mayor but maybe signal could vote um signal takes um takes the piece of paper um and he uh <laughs> he takes the Mirelurk claw and just kind of like Scratches it across the surface and breaks the payer the paper and looks pretty happy about it and runs over to the fridge and puts this like ripped bloody piece of paper in the fridge and he takes his uh, his super sledge he's been carrying it and and gestures it at um at Clark and says next Clark takes the piece of paper writes down the name and without ever taking eyes off the super mutant places it in the fridge. Uh, what name did you write down, Clark? He wrote down Lonnie. Uh, is that, uh, did people see you do that or do you want to sneak around and do that? Or did you just... He very carelessly writes it in front of everybody. Okay. He already kind of expressed that he doesn't have interest in it and it seemed like the rest of the group was already trying to convince him. And it seems like a fine enough idea for him at the time. Um, so, uh, when you go and you you put the you put the note in the, in the fridge and close the door, um, and as you do that, um, uh, Signal reaches out and pats you on the head. Um, <laughs> and I need you, I need you to roll a, uh, hang on one second. I need you to roll agility plus speech. So agility for Clark is an eight. 
and four. Oh, and that's a that's, that's a, um, a difficulty one. A three and a seven. So two successes. Uh, so uh, signal signal reaches out and and almost like tries to pat you on the head, um, but you kind of like like you're all like skeeved out. You're all like I'm not this is a weird situation. And so when he goes to like pat you on the head, you like dodge it. Um, and and signal uh, when you dodge it looks a little sad, um, but signal doesn't say anything. Uh, signal doesn't do anything. Signal just looks a little sad, and um, kind of smiles. But it's not like a. It doesn't look good. It's not a very you know. It's a really hard smile that that signal puts on um, and kind of looks at you with. Um, I guess uh, the next person though is up for a vote. Whoever goes next, I will say um, Hazel. I'm going to say she actually has a little piece of pencil, uh, a nubba pencil on her that she pulls out of one of the pockets of her uh, uh, outfit. And she actually writes Lonnie in cursive with a little tiny heart over the eye and folds it up and walks over to put it in the um, refrigerator. And uh, Pep, why don't you go next? Uh, Pep asks Hazel if he can borrow her pencil. Of course. Here you go. All right, thank you. And then, Alani, how do you spell your name? L O N N I E God. So, uh, Pep writes down Lonnie and, and uh, puts in the refrigerator. I think duty requires me to put my own name in there uh, per Brotherhood of Steel protocol. So, uh, as a scribe, I, well, no, a Brotherhood of Steel scribe would probably have, like, data pads and stuff. I don't know if they would actually have, uh, writing utensil. I'll, I'll use, uh, when in Rome, I'll use the death claw, uh, the, the, uh, Myler claw, the, uh, sorry, Myler claw, and I'll just dip that in whatever passes as an ink around here. That'd be blood. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And just scrawl Lonnie and blow on it <laughs> and then fold it and put it in the fridge. You put you put the note in the fridge and um, Signal kind of stands there and looks at you all silently um, and waits. And then uh, he he uh, he was silent, silent. It's kind of awkward, um, but he pulls up his wrist um, like he's wearing a watch. But he's not wearing a watch. Time's up. And he opens the fridge and uh, pulls out the papers. And he says, signal count mayor. He reads, he, he grabs the first piece of, pa- piece of paper um, and it's his ripped piece of paper. Uh, kind of looks at it and looks up at you all and does that really hard grin. Um, that's like kind of scary, but also like kind of sincere. You're not quite sure. Um, and he throws it to the side uh, and he, he reads a uh, Lonnie next piece of paper, Lonnie next piece of paper, Lonnie. Next piece of paper, Lonnie. And um, he takes his, his super sledge and says, Lonnie, come here. Okay. Signal <laughs> says, kneel. I take a knee. <laughs> um, Signal uh, takes his um, takes his super sledge and uh, rests it on your shoulder and says, may your Lonnie. And as he takes it from one shoulder, he takes it to the other shoulder. Um, It it seems like a hard motion, and I'm going to need you to roll um, uh, endurance plus um, I'm going to call this athletics. Uh, Difficulty zero. 
That might actually be four successes. Because um, I rolled a two and a two. My endurance is six. My athletics is two. Yeah. So you get um, you get four AP, um, which is great. Um, and y- when he uh, lays the lays the super sledge on you and your other shoulder, um, Signal uh, is doing that really weird hard grin, and you feel the pressure of it. Like if like you have this scrawny body, but like this somehow feels good to you. You feel good about the weight of the super. It, it's the personification of like duty and honor and stuff resting upon my <laughs> shoulders, and I'm somehow having the spiritual. I'm having the spiritual <laughs> moment. Of... Um, next, um, signal takes uh, takes your hand and holds you up. Um, and then Signal grabs you and starts dragging you. And I need you to roll a um, difficulty two um, strength plus um, <laughs> melee weapons. Uh, sure. So can I use one of those AP to add a, a D20 to this? Because. Uh, yeah, you, you can you can okay. you can do whatever you want. Oh, well, one of those games. huh? So doing uh, I'm doing strength melee. And um, I'm going to use one of those AP to sling three dice here. And uh, regretfully, that's only one success. Um, So uh, Signal drags you uh, by your scrawny body um, into the other room away from everyone else um, and says uh, Signal kinds of looks at you and says, Mayor, thank you. Love, Mayor. Um, Signal reaches into a drawer that seems like it's filled with electrical equipment um, and takes out a Pip-Boy and slaps it onto your wrist. Um, n- nobody here was is, is wearing a Pip-Boy. You know what Pip-Boys are from your experience in Old Nolans. Yeah. Um, he slaps a Pip-Boy onto you um, and takes it and he locks it. And you realize this is impossible to remove. You cannot remove this it is so hard on there and locked in it's like it's been melted in some way um you now have a pit boy on your person um at this point signal looks at you and says does mayor need help let me get back to you on that there's a lot to do and a lot to discuss and i don't want to keep you from your radio duties uh signal goes Okay, and Signal uh, lets go of your hand and and stands there and does like this huge, just like even a worse smile. Like you're, you can see all of his gums. At this point, if you couldn't see his gums, you can see them now. They are all there. They are yellowish brownish, and they look absolutely <laughs> terrible. And you're pretty sure you see a bug peek out of of one of them. Well, Signal, I think I'll be. Assessing the area for um, locations and, you know, uh, meetings, uh, agendas, um, you know, just a bunch of stuff going on right now. But we'll be around, I promise. Uh, Signal looks pretty happy uh, with your response and says, um, Signal need help. Signal wants clean outside 
Signal tried clean outside. Signal can't clean outside. Signal needs outside clean. What needs cleaned outside, Signal? Signal try clean. Uh, dirty, dirty outside. Make vermin outside. Clean outside. Then uh, Signal can help uh, get next thing. You need, and he kind of, he's like going through this like computer that he has. Um, and the computer has has kind of these buttons on it that are big enough so that when he mashes his fists on the computer, it's doing something. You can't really tell what's happening on the screen, but it seems like that there's been some modifications to this computer. Um, and, and Signal's kind of mashing around. And Signal um, is, is looking at the screen with his big grin and then turns around and looks at you and says, Water purifier. Like we... you. You need one, or we have like. Uh, Signal looks at you. Says, "If he, he looks at you, and he says, Signal, and he holds up his finger, and 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 it's really fat. And he says, Signal one, and he says, uh, you four, and then he says, if more, and then he puts both of his hands together, and you see all ten of his chubby little fingers all out there like they're little finger trolls. Um, need water." And he, he looks at you and says, no water, no good. But Signal knows Vault has Purifier. You get Purifier, you get water, you get people. Again, that, that tracks. You are a trusted advisor, Signal. Signal, love. And he kind of like is, is thinking to himself and he's Lani, Lani, he, he. Lani, love Lani. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, um, so you said there's a rat problem around here too, correct? Uh, uh, Signal says, clean outside, vermin. Go Lani, Lani mayor, love mayor. Well, the mayor has work to do. You keep on keeping on, Signal. Um, Signal takes a super sledge and kind of like hits it on the ground a few times <laughs> and says, adjourned. <laughs> Thank you, Bailiff. So you've been in a separate room this whole time. You've been in, in, in an opposite room that is soundproof. Um, the, the, what, you've, what you've noticed in the room is it is a literal recording studio with like makeshift equipment that's been added onto. Um, it looks like it's ready for ready for radio. Um, so, so you're in that room right now um, and going through the door, you would be in this location with the desk with all of the makeshift various things, the fridge with the rancid meat and like the Meyer Alert claw that's laying out on the table. Uh, folks, I've seen some stuff. Let's go outside for a minute. Mark looks up from the uh, letter that he has from the caravan company that he's been furiously reading to see if it mentioned at all that he was going to be dealing with a super mutant upon arrival at the new site. And he looks up and notices the pit boy on Bonnie's arm and says, anything on that from our uh, employers to explain exactly what we're doing here and why we're taking orders from the super mutant? I'll be honest, this pit boy is like the th third most confusing thing that I heard in that room. So um, let's cabinet meeting. 
outside. By the way, you're on the cabinet. 